Welcome to the Being the Change podcast. I'm your host, Kristen Vanderveer, here with your other host, Isabel Kiyosin. <laughs> we are the founders of Meditation Without Borders, and today we would love to talk about the subject of overcoming spiritual passivity. Yes. <laughs> I remember a t- teacher in my university said that like being a monk was like being like a wall. It was like, yeah, you have no emotions. You're just like there. And so a lot of people associate spirituality or meditation with being passive. It's like you're a pacifist. You don't really do anything. You're just, you're you know, avoiding emotions. You're not feeling angry. So you're just passive in your own being. Right. And, um, and that's not what's happening at all. <laughs> Who knows? It might be happening with some people, but um what we want to, the point we want to make is that to become a spiritual person and to experience the oneness aspect, you, you will have this feeling of everything is happening for all reasons and have this baseline of bliss no matter what is going on. However, this does not have to take you out of action. This does not mean um, you cannot be a, an activist. And on the flip side of that, to be an activist does not mean you have to be angry. Mm-hmm. Now, I think this is something that people are confused by. It's like, if I'm going to fight against oppression, then I have to cultivate this anger and this negativity as, as a way of fighting. You know, it's like, how, how am I going to fight the, the oppressive forces in the world? How am I going to fight against these um these organizations these countries you know who governments who are who are hurting people or hurting the environment obviously there will often be anger associated with those so if if i lose my anger then then what happens do i just no longer fight do i lose my fight with the anger and you don't have to in fact you become a much more effective activist when you are in a higher state of consciousness. You become a much more effective anything <laughs> when you're in a higher yeah. state of consciousness. It's just it's um, it's a distinction and a and a it's it's it, when you have a higher state of consciousness, you get used to two opposing things being true at the same time. And yeah. you have to and and this is one of those because you have to realize that you can know that all is, you know, that the world is, um, is not a horrible place. You can know that all things are happening for all reasons. You can know that the, um, that the, the horrible things that are happening in the world are going to help push along the evolution of lots of people. You know, you can see the positive side and everything. And also you can, you can have a role in it. And an effective yeah. role. And and I think that also happens on, on an emotional level. I love what you said about can, the opposing forces can, can be completely true. And that also happens with on an emotional level because we think that we, we can't be angry at the same time that we're happy. And mm-hmm. so what happens with, with meditators is that with sufficient meditation, you'll develop this, um, this bliss, 
you know, or this fulfilled state within. But that doesn't mean that you won't be bothered by some things. That doesn't mean that something won't upset you. So if so if something makes you angry, like this is something that we were talking about in our group meditation uh, last week about everything that's happening in, in Afghanistan. And so one of my students was kind of very upset about this. And so it's like, yes, you can be upset this, but as a meditator, it's not all that you're feeling. You can have this fulfilled state within, but if you feel upset about something, it's, it's something that's pointing you into where you need to, to put your attention on and help the problem. So it's not like, oh, we'll just, you know, meditate and, you know, have world peace and radiate that. And that is something that is happening. That's, that's part of it, but that doesn't mean that you, you, yeah, you don't have to put that anger into action. We don't want to be angry activists all the time, but that anger can trigger something in us that is like, okay, I want to move forward. But if you're in a fulfilled state, you'll move forward in a more relevant way and make a change from a oneness place and not of a place where you hurt me and I'll hurt you back. Right. You know, the anger is a othering experience, you know, to, to see when we get, when we want to help the world, but then we let our small self take the lead, uh, we can end up contributing to the problem mm -hmm. inadvertently because we find ourselves othering those who uh, are the ones causing the harm but it's othering that causes harm. So as someone who wants to make a positive change in the world, as someone who wants to be a uh, agent for progressive change, it's important to lead with love, no matter what situation you're getting yourself into. You can still feel love to, to someone you're disciplining. Mm -hmm. You know, as a parent, I, it's important to remember this. I try to remember this when my kids are acting in a way that is inappropriate. I try to remember that I can be loving in my discipline and that not let my anger, let myself get into it. You know, this is an impersonal thing. They're not acting, <laughs> they're not throwing their spaghetti on the ground because of me. They're throwing it on the ground because they're two and that's what they do. You know, so so when you when you are accessing that love and not leading with anger, you actually have more control and you can make decisions based on the information that you're gleaning, as opposed to making decisions based on the feelings that are arising in you that may be part of your own personal narrative and not necessarily relevant to what's happening. It's it, this this concept of of how to be a loving activist um, has come up recently because one of my students that I adore, um, she she's a she's a big activist. You know, she's very involved in lots of different fronts, and she's been completely feeling depleted lately because it just feels like there's there's no stopping this wave of destruction in so many areas of life right now, and. Um, so we've had some long talks about how, you know, I live in California. And so right now my state is on fire once again, like the fourth year in a row. Um, but that the fire is also that, you know, we were talking in terms of divine, we were using the, 
you know, divine femininity as, as part of the conversation, but I was like, she is also the fire. You know, so you can actually, just because that destructive force is also part of that oneness doesn't mean that you just say, okay, well, she's the fire, so I'm just going to give up and let, let everything burn. That fire is there to provoke you to action, whatever the proverbial fire is, you know, <laughs> whatever the metaphorical fire we're talking about is, it's not meant for you to say, oh, well, she's the fire, you know, that this fire is here for a reason. It's for here for destruction. It's here to remove irrelevancy. It's here to, you know, it has these wonderful purposes to it. It's meant to transform, but it's meant to move. It's meant to transform. It's meant to transform us on the inside and get us moving. So you can have that awareness of the beauty of the destructive force and be at peace with it and even make friends with the destructive force while also knowing that it's, it's, it's purpose is to get change to happen. So to be a spiritual person who, who just says it doesn't matter it this fire is is also god this fire is also come here for reasons and so i'm just it's doing its job it's a, that that's not the point it's like when i'm yelling at my kids <laughs> do something when i bring the fire you know um i expect them to move yeah <laughs> i expect them to do something i'm doing that i'm i'm disciplining them because i want them to move so we can see these destructive forces as part of that greater intelligence, but it's there, it's trying, that's its way of getting us to move. Exactly. Getting us to, to work for unity. Exactly. When we, um, when we begin to get into a spiritual path, we, we begin to understand, you know, as you were saying, things don't happen for a reason, things happen for all reasons, and the universe has supreme intelligence and is organizing everything. And so we... We used to think as things as, you know, black or white to good or evil. And then we begin to think, and this is a, you know, something that comes from the Vedic worldview of, you know, things come in threes and the energies that keep everything in balance are creation, maintenance and destruction. So when we see these things happening, uh, what can happen is that, oh, okay, there's destruction at play, you know, the universe is in charge, you know, just kind of just keep with my meditation but we we forget that we are also the universe and so what we do with meditation is that we awaken the call to hear that to hear that call to action mm -hmm. and so it's not for us to say like oh the universe is in charge so they'll take you know it's going to take care of it. it's like okay but you are the universe yeah. too right. <laughs> and we so are how the universe moves you know, exactly. The universe so, can only act through its creations and manifestations. Exactly. So if if there's something that you're not in agreement with of something that's not pulling us towards the unity or, you know, understanding our our oneness, it's okay for us to act because mm -hmm. that is what's going to pull us forward into evolution. Exactly. The, we are the agents of that change um when we were in india during our teacher training um one of my one of our many 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 meditations but during one of those meditations i had a um i don't know how to describe it you know an experience where i heard 
I felt the presence. It was a divine feminine presence, mother divine. And uh, she basically, it's not like they speak in words. It was just an understanding. But that understanding, if I were to put it in words, was do my work on earth, you know. And in that moment, I, I got it. I was like, oh, you can only act through your individual <laughs> through the individual yeah. points of light you know you can only act through us and so to me that was the real beginning of meditation without borders actually in a sense was that that calling of like you do my work mm -hmm. through you know through you get my work done and yeah. um and so all of us are that and it, it's not like we all have to do everything. I think sometimes people who are really compassionate have a hard time because they want to contribute money to this and they want to do this and there's this problem. It's like, you don't have to solve them all. And when you meditate, you get a sense of which ones are ha are looking for you specifically. Like wh what is your specific calling to help the greater good? And we're all doing something. We're all contributing in some way whether we're contributing to the problems <laughs> or we're contributing <laughs> to helping, you know, whether we're contributing to the unity aspect or contributing to the diversity, we're all doing something. And so we don't have to do everything, but meditation helps in knowing what is the most relevant action right now. That's the most relevant action, not just for me, but for everyone. And some days it might be working in a soup kitchen or, you know, doing something more clearly activists, like, and then some days it might just be, I need to walk to the shoe store because I'm going to meet somebody there mm -hmm. who's important. You know, you, you never know what your calling is going to be in any given moment. But if you are meditating, then you will be in the right place at the right time to do the most work. And you, ha and you can kind of let go of, of, of uh, the pressure of like, am I doing enough? And, you know, as, as we say, meditation in itself is an act of social change. But if we feel the calling to put it more into action we should absolutely follow that not it's not that because we're meditators we're passive um mm -hmm. you know some we might if that's what's relevant at some point and you know there's meditators um that devote themselves to meditating you know i think again 14 hours a day they do 14 yeah. rounds a day and they're you know, keeping world peace and that, you know, <laughs> that's their right. uh, thing, but it, that's not everybody's calling. And so some, you know, some meditators need to put it into more of an action layer. And I think that's very important for us to learn how to, how to listen. And, you know, when people think that, you know, as meditators, you're passive, um, as spiritual people, you're passive. It's, well, you can read one of the, you know, the top, important books of uh, the spiritual world, the Bhagavad Gita, and you'll see that that's not the case. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's true. We were just talking about this, about how Krishna, yeah, he was very active in the Mahabharata war, uh, yet he did so smilingly. No, it says he did so smilingly, which shows he was not angry in fighting. You know, he was fighting this, this very horrible war, but within him, he had the whole field. And so he was able to act even though he didn't 
um, he didn't have a, it wasn't out of anger. It was out of just that feeling, his calling. Mm -hmm. Krishna was the whole universe. So he is the calling, (laughs) (laughs) but, um, yeah, it was, it's, it's a beautiful example. Another example from, um, the mythos is, uh, Shukadeva when he went to his master and his, his father, Shukadeva was a, had an enlightened father and his father told him to, to go to, he, he was a renunciate, you know, he didn't wear clothes, he didn't have possessions and his father had him go to a king to learn from. And he was all haughty about it. Cause he's like, what, what can I learn from a king? A man with so much stuff. And he goes there and as they're talking, a, a, a attendant comes in and is like, my Lord, you, your kingdom is burning. And he's like, yeah, 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 I'll get to it. And then next it's like, my Lord, the castle is burning. <laughs> and he's still just talking like he doesn't care. And I think about this story until, oh yeah, finally the, the guy's like, my Lord, the room is burning. <laughs> <laughs> and like the books around them are burning and, and he's still, he's just passive, you know, he's not passive, but he doesn't, he's, he's not concerned, which to me was showing that, you know, God will burn it all to teach a message. You know, it will all, it, it to that level of consciousness the destruction is meant to prove a point mm-hmm. and so here this king was trying to prove the point to shukadeva and it worked yeah. <laughs> this point but um i think about that i'm like set it all on fire you know yeah. and i think that that force will set this you know the whole world on fire for until we wake up you know the fires are here to wake us up they're mm-hmm. here to send make a point yeah. And very relevant to today. Yes. <laughs> like literal fire is happening. So, um, so that's what I think of in how we can, we can look at the fire and, and see it as a being in a sense, you know, when I say the fire, I'm, I'm meaning all this, all the things happening in the world and make peace with it and realize that we need to wake up faster. You know, clearly with all that's going on, some serious, serious upgrades are necessary. Yeah. And, um, you know, going just back to the, to the example of, of the books, which, which I love, you know, the Mahabharat is the big spiritual book, you know, it's the mm-hmm. great India and the central chapters as we were discussing are, you know, the Bhagavad Gita and the whole book takes place in a battlefield, mm-hmm. which is amazing about how you know arjun i mean krishna is is teaching and convincing arjun to to fight in the battlefield and and arjun doesn't want to because he's gonna fight with his cousins and so the message here that krishna and as you said now smilingly spoke you know and gita (laughs) is i think it means song song. song. yeah he's singing singing in the battlefield Mm -hmm. and it's it's so beautiful because he, he's telling them that he has to fight um, with his cousins to the death. But there's, if he does, you know, the all Vedic knowledge will be saved and the kingdom will be saved. And so it's just a beautiful example of, you know, we have to put it into action sometimes, right. you know, when you, when you feel the calling. And so, you know, Krishna was coaching him because as you were saying, you know, Krishna is the universe. Right. So, 
so it's it's very interesting how meditation can give us certain certain callings and we were talking about before we started recording about our colleague um light watkins and so one of my students um she was telling me that she's a big fan of what he's doing because he talks a lot about social change and um and I was talking to him about this uh, a few days ago, and he was like, well, if we don't do it, then who will? Yeah. And I thought that was very beautiful because, you know, as, as you know, meditators, um, well, we're awakening to the need of the time. And certainly there is a need right now. And so it's not just of merely meditating that that is important but of how we put it into action to smilingly <laughs> sing our way into social change of whatever battles yeah the battles. Whatever, you know needs needs to to happen that is interesting i never thought about how the back of the gita you know the central text of vedic knowledge is is a call to action basically it's a call to move out of passivity and move into action and move for what's right in order to preserve what is meant to be preserved. Um, it's a beautiful story. We highly recommend it, <laughs> but it, it is, it's like an activist credo in a sense. And, you know, we, as meditators, we can be peaceful and we can have our retreats and we can, you know, th there's this retreating, that happens a lot of time when people get into meditation, like they want to retreat from society. Even the act of meditation itself is a moving inward away from the outward. But what we feel is that that inward motion is the pulling back of the bow. So oh, I just have chills by hearing you say it. <laughs> I knew where you were going. I was like, yes, she knows. <laughs> yes, she's doing it. Go back. It's the potential energy that you need to build up in order to, when you go into action, it's direct, it's forceful, and it's exactly what it needs to be, and it hits its target. So we as meditators have to remember to not just pull the bow back, to not just go into retreat, to not just lose ourselves in our meditation, but then take what we have gained in our meditation and put it into action in the world, if we can, if we're called to that, and really make a difference. Because the difference that needs to be made is we need a shift in consciousness. This is all the problems of the world are a problem of consciousness state. Problem is a consciousness state. If we can get people to the collective to get to the point where they see the damage that they do, you know, to actually see that they're hurting themselves when they hurt another. All, all is based in that. All is based in this sense of fear of other and this this consumption, this, this need that people have to find fulfillment on the outside, you know, this, the consuming of resources because we're constantly looking for that fulfillment in the outside world. So we're just consuming it all up until we find it. If we can raise the collective to realize that they can find it within and that they don't need to just consume all or take over a people or hurt someone else in order to get it, then all these problems go away and we start finding solutions and going into a creation mode and we get out of this horrible destruction mode we're in because what always falls destruction is creation and there is a lot of creation happening right now there's a lot of people who are who are 
quitting jobs and finding new ones and on a many personal levels people are making a lot of changes right now but as a whole i think the the sooner we can realize what needs to change which is our conscious estate the quicker we can get into a more global creation phase yeah absolutely so, sooner the better please <laughs> i can't even look at my news feed anymore it's just too depressing <laughs> Another point I wanted to make is, is when you start meditating more and you find that your consciousness is expanding, that it's not just that you're in the cosmic at all times. It's not, you're not just in that place of, oh, everything is one and everything is fine and I don't need to do anything because nothing is happening <laughs> and nothing ever happened. And, you know, if you go too far in that direction, yeah, you do get yourself a little lazy <laughs> yeah, and yeah lazy like, and and the, I, I feel you also kind of just go too much in and and right. forget about the purpose of okay you need to go out and experience life without you know when you, you're not just there you're in all all layers at once yeah so you have it's it, it's an interesting experience which is how you can be smilingly fine with all that's happening while also on the surface level be fighting tooth and nail to have change happen and yeah. to be able to access your emotions you know it's it, there's no problem with having anger and there's no problem with having frustration or suffering or compassion you know do you, we need to have feelings in order to even have empathy for someone else so these feelings are important while also being in that other layer so you can be on the surface, you're in all layers, you're on that surface, you're having the emotions, you're having the experience, while also having that grounding in the cosmic and that greater understanding of what's really going on that helps actually support the surface work. Exactly. We don't want to be merely angry or you know, <laughs> passive. Um, like I had one student and he had been, you know, taking um, antidepressants for like, 10 years or something. And not that, you know, we have anything against that. Um, if you've seen this episode. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Not that there's anything wrong with that. <laughs> For any Seinfeld fans out there. <laughs> um, but what, when once he started meditating, he, he told me, like, he was ready to stop taking them. So... Obviously, you know, with a psychiatrist, he, and slowly he started um, reducing uh, the dosage, and then he start he stopped taking them, and he he started taking them because he felt a lot of uh, sadness. And then when he um, stopped taking them, he was like, "I feel sad, but I'm so excited about feeling sad. I'm happy <laughs> about feeling sad. <laughs> it's like I can feel again." Yeah. Because he told me that with um, with the medicines that he was taking, he didn't feel sad, but he didn't feel anything either. Yeah. And so we don't want to stop feeling. And that's something that uh, a lot of people worry about with meditation. It's like, well, if I, I don't feel angry, I won't feel happy. <laughs> and it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. You're going to feel it all. And that's the idea. Every emotion has a reason or all reasons. But like, if you're angry... There's a reason why you're angry. We don't want to be just angry because that's a stressed consciousness state. But if you're meditating regularly and something makes you angry, 
you can recognize where that comes from and maybe there's a need there to put something into action it's information you witness it and use it as information for the next action as opposed to ladling on all kinds of things onto the anger like why am i angry i feel guilty for anger (laughs) i'm a meditator i shouldn't be angry (laughs) (laughs) and not letting yourself feel it because to me all these experiences are shaping and are worthwhile so i i totally agree it's funny that you say that story because i remember i i had a lot of issues with depression when i was a teenager and it took my cat dying to start like i didn't cry for like two years or something and i was just like Mm -hmm. what is wrong with me and finally my cat died and i started like it all came out (laughs) (laughs) but i was so happy i'm like oh my god i'm finally crying like i think it was just the relief of for whatever reason whatever the hormones were going on at that time in my life god knows puberty and all that um had shifted enough so now i could feel something and i was so happy and i think it all just came out because it was just bottled up for so long so we want to feel we want to experience but we don't want to be the anger it's it's, there's a difference difference. yeah there's a difference between experiencing anger and being the anger and being Mm -hmm. the anger means you're in the way you're in the small wave of self and you your your awareness is not in the ocean when your awareness is in the ocean, the anger is happening in the wave and you're watching it and you see it as anger, but you don't see it as you. It doesn't take you over. It's not who you are. It's just something you're experiencing. So we don't want to be the anger. And especially when we're activists, this is especially important because we want to be bringing what, what we really want is to bring positivity into whatever situation it is we're trying to change. We don't want to bring our anger into it yeah and that's why you know as, as we were saying we want to first pull pull the bow um yeah. which is one of the most important things you know the famous sanskrit uh <laughs> you know where i'm going with this um but it was i think it was the instruction that uh krishna gave to arjun right the yeah. yoga karmani. karmani exactly <laughs> it's <laughs> Yomia, Snapple. <laughs> Diet peach. Exactly. You got it. Um, but yeah, we want to first establish yourself to be, which is meditate. Meditate enough the, that you... Yoga Sakura Karmani means establish yourself. First establish, eh, establish yourself in being, then perform action. Exactly. And so what it essentially mean is, means is, you know, meditate, become the ocean and then act as the wave with the whole ocean supporting you because Mm -hmm. that's what's moving, not as the wave trying to fight other waves. Just, you know, from that little um, consciousness state, we wanna be the ocean and, you know, the ocean wants to move towards that place. So you'll get full support. And if you think about the difference of power between the ocean and a single wave, it's not not even comparable um and really it's the ocean is the only one calling the shots anyway so (laughs) might as well get in line with it and help it out exactly and it's so much easier to know where you're supposed to to go 
if you become the ocean. If not, you, you, it, it's hard to know where you're being called to act. Yeah. Most of the time, most people are so stressed out, most of their actions are going towards coping with their stress. <laughs> yeah. So it's hard to have a lot of relevance when you're just dealing with coping mechanisms all the time and stress thoughts all the time. And I saw a great meme. It was something about someone wrote, like, I, I, I could have two full-time jobs with the amount of energy that goes towards my anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> And it's true. It's it's that's where most of our energy goes before meditation. And honestly, after you learn to meditate, it takes a while before that's purified out of your system enough to where your actions aren't just dealing with the overwhelm all the time. Mm -hmm. And when we clear all that out, all of a sudden we've freed ourselves up to be called upon. You know, nature's not going to call upon someone who's a stress bag because they don't have the capacity to do anything. You know, it's not like they're not, you know, their higher nature is, you know, is um, ignoring them. It's just their, it, their inner self knows that they're not capable right now. Mm -hmm. So if, if we want to be called for a big role, we have to be free for that role. We have to yeah. free the stress out of our system in order to be able to to have that big role. And, and big roles come in many different forms. It's not like you have to become famous to have an influential role in life. A big role may mean you're influential in your community or you're an incredible parent. There's, there's so many ways to have an influential role, but we won't know what those are if, if we're just dealing with stress and trying to it, find ways of like just looking for that those hits of happiness all the time it's so funny that you that you mentioned that because just yesterday i watched the movie it's a wonderful life <laughs> have you watched it what that's a christmas movie what are you doing you watching it now because <laughs> i read this book that mentioned it and i was like well, i want to watch it and I don't oh know God, that's so the random. people who, who are listening, but it's a movie from the 1940s. It's 1946. And so <laughs> it's this uh, guy um, and he, he has, you know, these big dreams of, you know, traveling the world and doing all these uh, yeah. amazing adventures. And um, because of, you know, things that happen in life, he, he can't. Um, so he, sacrifices his preferences a lot you know he sacrifices a lot of things he he wished he could do um just so he could help others and so he becomes a little angry at life um <laughs> because he doesn't feel very fulfilled because he couldn't really you know go out and do all these things and so there's a point where he's um he's ready to kill himself he's like my life sucks and he has like a beautiful family and a beautiful wife and he's helped so many people along the way but he's like yeah i'm just gonna kill myself and so this angel comes and he shows um him what his life would be like if i mean what life would be like if he hadn't been born and you know he didn't have this big adventurous life that he wished he had but the town where he lives is completely different 
his brother died because he wasn't there to save him when he was a kid and all these houses that he had built for people who couldn't afford them it's now this place is a cemetery so all these little things that he did for people and how much he changed his life and it was a simple life it's so amazing to think of the impact that you're making on people on just these simple little acts and so he he changes his his mind and he just starts to enjoy those little things that he just kind of took for granted. And so it's a very old, but it's a very nice movie. And so <laughs> my point with all of this is a little what you're saying. So you can make a change, even if it's a simple little thing, and you don't even know how much you're impacting somebody. Yeah, he gets the gift of seeing his influence. <laughs> And how far-reaching it was. And, and we all have far-reaching influence. And we get to choose to what extent that's a positive influence. <laughs> <laughs> but also to know that you don't have to be, you don't have to have a podcast. <laughs> you, don't have to, <laughs> you don't have to be like us. <laughs> you don't have to be all fancy like us. We're famous, right? No, you can, you, you can just be a good person. And that's activism. Consciousness yeah. is the activism. You know, um, meditation is activism because it is creating a consciousness state that you carry with you everywhere. That when you interact with someone, you uplift them automatically, even though you may have no idea what you've done. It's good to remember. I, yeah. I sometimes get in a vacuum and start thinking: Is anything we're doing doing anything? Are we? <laughs> are we just? You know, talking to ourselves is, you know, our work going to, are we ever going to get to do the projects we want to do? You know, I get into that George mentality. <laughs> George, that George Bailey. Mind. George Bailey. Exactly. <laughs> I, get, I get a little George Bailey sometimes. And it's good to remember that we may not know exactly the impact we have in life. Yeah. But, but as long as we're work, if, as long as we're in touch with our inner self, that doesn't matter. Because if we're in touch with our inner self, then we're doing whatever is most relevant. And that's what's important. It's to live your life as a life of service to your higher self. Exactly. And something that I, I used to volunteer as, you know, as a hospital clown. And it was really nice because sometimes when we were, and I discussed this, you know, we interviewed, I mean, I interviewed him because it was in Spanish, but um, for being the change, uh, the founder of Risa Terapia, which is where I used to volunteer, his name is Andres Aguilar. And something that we discussed was like sometimes when I was feeling a little down I would go and volunteer it's like okay I'm gonna go to the hospital today because I'm not feeling great and that would uplift me mm -hmm. and so what something that he said that I loved it's like it's not like when you give away a piece of bread you only have half it's like when you give away a piece of bread you get another one or t yes. you know it's and it's because when you do acts of service and no matter how big or small they are, when you leave a place better than you found it, when you do random acts of kindness, that is also being active. That is also, you know, a playing a very important role and you're, we're not going to be here to be passive. We're here <laughs> to, you know, leave, leave it better than we found it and enjoy the process of doing so and when we when we do those things we uplift others and we also uplift ourselves i like to think about it as we all chose to be born in this very 
volatile time. We all chose to be here now. And that means we get to be part of the part of the movie <laughs> where things are really happening. You know, we are part of the storyline in a very interesting part of the storyline and a very dynamic part of the storyline. So if we chose to be here, then we chose to have a role in this. And there's an opportunity here that might not have been an opportunity. It might not have existed in other time periods. There's such rapid evolution going on right now. There's an opportunity to really have a large amount of influence and to help others in a way. When there's a lot of suffering, there's a lot of opportunity to help. Yeah. I saw this on Instagram today and it was like, you know, the quote like, oh, what a time to be alive. And the alive was crossed out and it was like, what a time to be awoke. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, it's it's such a, a privilege to have a practice that allows you to see suffering, be sensitive to it, and therefore be able to try to see what we can do to tackle that problem the thing we have to remember too to the degree that we are awoken is the degree that we see what's going on so if you're feeling a little down because you're someone who wants to make change in the world and you see it just know that it, it requires seeing it first so yeah. <laughs> for most of us who have had a shift in consciousness during our lifetimes and suddenly is aware and the light is turned up in the room, we see the mess now. So we see the mess that we need to clean up. And the more we raise our consciousness, the more we see that mess. But it also gives us the capability to start picking it up. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I'm laughing because I'm thinking of my house right now after a weekend with the kids. <laughs> <laughs> It is such a mess. And so I have, tonight uh, I shall turn on the light and be like, ah, I get to see it before I clean it up. I have a pile of laundry behind my computer. So, Oh, Mount Laundry. I have one of those too. It's actually, it's now a mountain range. It's not just a single mountain. We have many mountains. The Himalayas of the, the Himalayas of the clothes. <laughs> Of we the have laundry. Clean, Mount Clean Mountain, Mount Dirty Mountain. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the world right now is kind of a big, dirty laundry mountain pile. <laughs> and we can clean it up. We can clean it up. <laughs> we can. We can. And the interesting thing about the Karmacom problems is they're slow to, to shift. But consciousness can shift instantly. Mm -hmm. And since consciousness really is the problem, we're a lot closer to solving our problems than we think we are. Exactly. Whenever I have an individual shift in consciousness, it's amazing how it's almost like the problems melt away, even though they don't necessarily go anywhere. How I perceive them changes and they no longer seem like problems. And you find the solution right there. Right. It's always right in front of your face. So mm -hmm. 
if we can shift the collective consciousness, then I think also all these problems that seem so completely insurmountable will seem like piles of dirty laundry <laughs> that we can <laughs> that are conquerable. Exactly. Yeah. Either the problem will seem less of a problem or we'll see the solutions in order to put things right or both. That's what I that's what I believe in. That's why we do what we do. <laughs> yes. Very so, enjoyable. We hope you guys are inspired to find whatever action seems right for you in this time. There's stuff to do everywhere. <laughs> and we thank you for listening. Thank you and so much. Jager Dave. Jager Dave.